Ho, ho, ho! Greetings from the North Pole and welcome to Money MD. We're giving presents to all the boys and girls for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We've been making a list and checking it twice and delivering common sense solutions to all your complex problems. Naughty or nice. And now, here are my delightful elves. Oh, um, sorry, I mean doctors. Ho, 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 John. I mean, it is, we're deep in December now. We are. We are. I haven't uh, done all my shopping yet. I don't know if you've got your list made out. and Yeah, I got a little list, you okay. know. I just right. got a few things, unfortunately. My wife takes care of most of those. Yeah. but uh, I've still got plenty of time. But yeah, it's a great time of the year. I mean, we're it past is. Thanksgiving. And it's cold. God, and how about the stock market in oh, November? Stock market is hot. <laughs> Man, I mean, um, it is. Despite the weather, the stock market was smoking in November Best best November in over thirty years. Yeah, and no one predicted. That. I mean, if so That's many it. pundits were you know scared and people were scared about the uh, the election and you know what's going on with uh, the COVID cases are spiking and so forth, and you just can't you can't rationalize. You cannot get emotional about the markets. They they behave differently. They're looking into the future, and it's, I mean, if you miss November, you missed a whole year. Oh, it was unbelievable how good November was. And I mean, I hate to say we told you so, but, you know, we've been talking about the vaccine once it got approved. You know, we saw, you know, there's a lot of potential, yeah. you know, for the markets to and, to spike on that. And they did. Yeah, and and it's been ha- amazing. That's right. If you have a process in place that can handle the dips and the ups, you know, it's 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 OK. These dips happen and uh, we no one can ever predict the dips or the increases for that matter. So that's uh, it. it's a good mm-hmm. lesson. I mean, 2020 has been a good lesson and it's been a challenging year for a lot of people. A lot of people are still hurt, you know, by the COVID. A lot of sectors of the economy and folks have experienced um, losses in their family. So it's been a, a crazy year. But I mean, look at the market. It's just, it's amazing. It's just, it looks way out. In, odds. It does because it looks out in the future and it's looking at these uncertainties, you know, that are holding it back. And as soon as those things unravel themselves, and I, I think, you know, we still have a lot of potential here because. There's the uncertainty about this spike in, in infections mm-hmm. that seems to be leveling off. You know, if that goes down, I think that's going to remove a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, there's there's new vaccines coming out. And um, yeah. there's just more positive stuff, I think, that's really going to affect the stock market. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk about some of that. But, uh, but yeah, and then we have some great topics to talk about. Speaking of which, um, one of them is year-end charitable giving strategies. Um, you know, there's a several ways here that you can contribute money at the end of the year to your favorite charity and also get a tax deduction um, despite the fact that that you we have these high standard deductions that people are taking um, so there's some strategies you need to kind of work into your 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 uh, giving strategies yep. here um, so we'll talk about that yeah and then we're going to talk about the um, the the vaccine arrival I mean there the first mass air shipment occurred this last week and I you know I read this and I was really excited and it it does kind of talk about the uh, the shipping of the, the 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 vaccine to different places and so forth and we'll dive into it but it's got a twist on capitalism as well it's really interesting and it's got us fired up a little bit so we're going to cover that the second half so stick around yeah that's an exciting topic and uh, by the way I'm Steve Marbert I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey smart vester pro with over 25 years experience of providing financial planning and investment advice and I'm John Travis I'm a Dave Ramsey Ramsey's Certified Counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years. 
We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast. A lot of other really good tools out there. We've got a, a, a retirement planning calculator. If you've never used that, go check it out. It's pretty good uh, information. Also, a Facebook page, MoneyMD. Post a, a weekly video on there, and um, you know you can kind of get uh, get an idea of the the office staff as well. We kind of rotate that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And um, send us your questions. You can link to us there on our website. We'd love to hear from you. We'll talk about those here on the show. And um, so, yeah, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah. So, we, you know, we talk about diversification a lot. Dave Ramsey, obviously, is a, a diversification uh, proponent. A lot of folks are out there as well. And, you know, Steve, 2020 has been a, a, a really good year for large U.S. stocks and, and small yes. U.S. stocks really have underperformed. Well, we saw a tremendous reversal and have seen a tremendous reversal on that over the last couple of months. But in November specifically, uh, small stocks joined the party. Oh, man, they did in a big up, way. Up 19% roughly, a ballpark number in one month. Wow. I mean, it just, incredible? it just shows you how fast it can change. And, you know, historically, small stocks do give you a higher return. And sometimes they play catch up because they get behind. And that's basically what happened. And really, in the last three years, small stocks have gotten pretty, pretty far behind large stocks. And so I think this catch up really is just beginning. Yeah, we'll see. We no one can no one knows, but that's why you diversify, right? You you own these different asset classes and you know, the process is is like when you're in retirement and you need some money, well, it's probably going to come from small cap now because they've done right. so well recently. Right. So, but uh, yeah, it's nice that they joined the party, you know. It is. Yeah. It is. And value stocks have done really well recently. Yep, so, we've sure seen have. a reversal, some rotation, and we talked about that last summer how there was kind of a pending rotation that some people were speculating was getting ready to end. And, uh, you know, perhaps we're seeing that. Certainly has been the case in the last couple months. So good fact of the week. All right. And that brings us to up to our first topic here, and that is year-end charitable gifting strategies. And, John, this is based on an article from Morningstar, Christine Benz, very recently. And um, But, you know, if you're, if you're planning to make charitable contributions um, this year, you know, between now and the end of the year, um, you might find yourself kind of in a conundrum because – even though the pandemic has kind of exacerbated the needs that charities have, uh, many people that are charitably inclined kind of find themselves in this, you know, with a depressed income this year and aren't able to do it as easily and because many people have lost their jobs or they experienced some in income reductions. Um, and retirees aren't required to take their RMDs this year, required minimum distributions, because that's been waived thanks to the CARES Act. And uh, so that reduces the amount of income they have available for giving. <clears throat> um, so, you know, that all kind of adds into the idea um, of, of needing to, to have a strategy for your charitable gifts. And if you're typically, you know, if you look at taxes and you're typically in a 22% tax bracket, but you're in a 12% tax bracket this year, um, <clears throat> it may be better tax-wise to make the charitable contribution um, after taxes have gone back up and, you know, next year. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so there's some things to think about this year with your charitable contributions. And <clears throat> but there's also kind of a countervailing force. You know, if you're uh, charitably inclined and you're an investor, it's been a pretty good recovery so far for assets that were bought, you know, particularly after the big drop back in back in March. March right. um, you know, if you did some rebalancing or you bought some different <clears throat> different stocks back in March, um, you, you might li you likely have had some really good gains um, that could be used for gifting. 
Um, so it's a good bet that you have some appreciated assets in your portfolio now and, you know, trimming them, you know, to can uh, yield charitable gifts, but can also earn you a tax break, also allow you to do some rebalancing in your portfolio. Um, so as 2020 winds down, um, U.S. large stocks seem to be right for the picking, you know, mm -hmm. to do some of that rebalancing or maybe do some gifting for it. So here are some ways that you can kind of tie in your charitable gifting with improving and rebalancing your portfolio. Yeah, this first one is called a uh, uh, qualified charitable distribution. We have a lot of clients that, that use this strategy. Um, if you're over the age of 72, um, you, know, you probably know this drill. In most years, you're, you're required to take the distribution from your tax-deferred accounts. But thanks to the CARES Act, the uh, required minimum distributions are on hold for 2020, but the qualified charitable distributions are still allowed. So under the QCD maneuver, uh, investors older than um, the 70, and 70 and a half, it's yeah. actually still seven still and a half. Still seven and a half. Yeah. Uh, they can steer a portion of their IRA distributions up to $100,000 directly to a qualified charity of their choice. So, you know, it's just a way to get money out of a taxable account and you get a tax deduction for it, um, you know, if you get over that standard, uh, you know, exemption. Yeah, we, we love the QCD strategy, the charitable <clears throat> uh, qualified charitable distributions, um, because it satisfies your RMD requirement. Um, you know, in the years that you're that you're required to do an RMD, um, and you know, this year with no RMD, um, you still can make your your QCD. You still can gift money directly to a charity. And it may make sense for a few reasons. I mean, one is that it enables you to to give pre-tax assets to the charity. Um, and, you know, the other is it also reduces the size of your IRA that's eventually going to be subject to more required minimum distributions in the future. And it's also important to note that you don't need to itemize your deductions to be able to take advantage of a QCD. So even though you're, you're you may be just, um, you know, taking a standard deduction, if you do a QCD, it comes out of pre-tax money and you can give that money directly to a charity. So, and you can also tie it um, to uh, your portfolio maintenance, you know, and rebalancing your portfolio. Um, so you can strategically kind of prune your holdings that have done the best, that have grown the most, um, that are over target now. You can replace those with, with lower cost assets um, <clears throat> that as you rebalance your portfolio. Um, and then you can direct those proceeds directly to your charitable, yeah. to your charity through a, a qualified charitable uh, distribution. So it's a good way to kind of combine the two and, you know, help keep your portfolio in balance. Yeah, that's a great one. And another one people are using and we see frequently is donating appreciated securities. So, you know, the QCD is really for older folks, right, that right. Um, that are, you know, 72 and, and uh, you know, have a lot of their investments in tax deferred accounts. But, you know, if you're not subject to an RMD at this point, um, but you have, you know, securities in a taxable account, you can donate those to charity. And I'll, I'll mention, we, we we manage some of those accounts for local charities, right? We have right. people that are donating securities um, to their accounts, and then it goes to the uh, the nonprofit organization. So this is a great strategy here. Yeah, it really is, you know, and it's pretty easy to do, um, you know, assuming they have a brokerage account, something you can gift assets to. And, uh, you know, you get to, I mean, you get you get appreciated assets like, like stocks. Um, you don't owe capital gains on them. Um, and you could take a full tax deduction for the full market value as long as they've been held for at least a year or more, as long as they're long-term gains. And you get to, um, you know, take that all the way up to 30% of your adjusted gross income. 
In fact, for this year, due to the CARES Act, it's actually 100% of your adjusted gross income for cash that you're giving, uh, but it's still 30% for for long-term capital gains and for, you know, stocks have been held over a year where you're avoiding the capital gains. Um, so, you know, if the amount that your donation exceeds what's deductible this year, any excess can be carried forward for up to five years in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's a really easy way to do it. It's a really good deal. You can carry it forward. Um, of course, you want to factor in whether or not you're itemizing your deductions and, you know, if there are any changes to your tax brackets, because if you're in a lower tax bracket this year, but you expect to go back up next year, um, or if you won't be itemizing reductions in 2020, but you will in 2021, you might get more bang for your buck if you kind of lump it all in one year, which we've talked about before, you know, kind of lumping your gifts yep. in one year to get you over that 24000 you know, eight four hundred dollar threshold for itemized deductions for a married couple. Yeah, so donating these uh, appreciated assets from a taxable account usually a best fit if you have a highly concentrated position um, in some holdings. They have a lo- low cost basis. I mean, there have been some stocks that have gone up, you know, hundreds of percents this year yeah. because of, of of COVID. It's really driven some some different stocks. So, you know, for example, perhaps you've determined you have too much in in one stock or one asset class. Um, then you can donate, you know, all of that or a chunk of that to um, uh, to a charity, and uh, it, it does a couple of things. It re- reduces the risk in your portfolio, but you also get the tax benefit as well. Uh, the charity is going to get that, and um, you know they don't pay any taxes on it. So it's going to it's a very neat transaction. Um, it, yeah. it basically saves taxes. And uh, it also reduces potentially reduces your risk. Yeah, and you can replace those assets with either cash that you would have given directly to a charity, and then buy things at a at a you know rebalance your portfolio and and buy some different assets um, in your portfolio to keep things in balance. Um, so that's a great strategy. Another strategy, though, John, we're talking about here is donating appreciated securities to or stocks to a donor advised fund, a DAF. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, a, a donor advised fund is kind of a supercharged gifting strategy. Um, you, you get to contribute cash or uh, appreciated assets like we were just talking about to the fund, um, which is a charity in the eyes of the IRS. So the fund itself is a charity. So you get a full tax deduction for those contributions to the donor advised fund. And then you get to direct the funds out of that donor advised fund to the charities over time. And you can spread it out, right? You can do it over years and years. Um, So you can contribute the monies kind of all at once. You can lump it together, as we talked about, into one year. And then you get to spread it out over the years um, to your charity or or over even one year to your charity. Um, And as the donor, you're able to, uh, you're kind of in charge of how the money's invested. And most donor advised funds, they have kind of a short menu of investing options ranging from very conservative to, to aggressive that's all in, in you know, stock funds. And uh, so you can put the money in there. You can direct how it's invested to you give it away. And then you get to give it away from the fund to the charity. And uh, but you get the tax break right up front. Um, that's really the key. You know, from a tax standpoint, um, you, you get all that tax break right up front comes right off your ordinary income. If you're contributing uh, cash, you can give up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. If you're contributing stocks or some kind of securities, it's 30% of your adjusted gross income. And, uh, you know, once it's in there, you get to carry that deduction forward, as we talked about before, for up to five years. 
And of course, keep in mind, you know, these contributions are irrevocable. You know, once you've given it, it's done. You know, it's done. You you get the tax benefit, but you don't get it back. So you want to be sure about what you're given. Yeah. So if you find yourself in a high tax year this year, um, you may benefit from uh, setting a donor advised fund up. It, It enables you to obtain the tax deduction this year. Um, but more deliberately to donate that money to charities over a period of months or even years. So, um, but as with donating, you know, appreciated securities, the flip side is also true. So if you're not itemizing your income, or maybe 2020 has been a difficult year income wise, this may not be the right uh, maneuver for you. It's basically trying to, you know, take, um, take advantage of a high income year and sock in some away. And it gives you some flexibility in the future of when you give it. That's right. And the real benefit to your portfolio is you get to do this all at once, right? So you get to make a big move where you're giving something to a donor advised fund that you're going to dole out over maybe a year or two or even more. And, and at the same time, there's a highly appreciated assets. Then you get to rebalance your portfolio and add new cash to it or, or sell, you know, other other parts of your portfolio to buy back the ones that you gave away, and you get to rebalance everything. And uh, you know, maybe there's some funds that you haven't been able to add to your portfolio due to the tax consequences, like profitability stocks that we did this year, John. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some taxable accounts we we weren't able to do that with. Um, you know, if you if you give away the part that's highly appreciated and release that relieve that tax constraint, um, then it allows you to do the rebalancing and get into the new funds and the new asset classes that you want in your portfolio. So it might enable you to to make some meaningful changes to your portfolio. Bottom line is that gifting assets from your portfolio to charity for large donations often gives you kind of that dual tax, ben- that dual benefit of the tax deduction and rebalancing your account um, and with lower tax consequences. Either way, I mean, it's a win-win for your portfolio. Your tax obligation goes down. Um, and the charity, of course, gets the donations. So in doing your year-end giving, um, you know, don't overlook the consideration of, of doing these st- different strategies and getting the benefit for both you and the charity and um, rebalancing your portfolio. Very good. All right. Very good. That leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with timeshares. And uh, it says, I have a timeshare and we don't use it and there's an annual fee. Should I, um, would y'all recommend we look at a, um, a timeshare exit company? And mm. I would say, yeah, look at it, do some research. Uh, I know Dave Ramsey has recommended a company yeah. out there and I've had a couple of clients that have used it. Um, decent results. One of them was not not a positive um, situation, Experience. but uh, yeah, it's it's a couple thousand. It's it's, it's four, expensive. It's yeah. four to five thousand dollars, if I remember to correctly. get out. Yeah, yeah so I was thinking three to four. Yeah, if you're a thousand dollars a year, then you're gonna you know pony up four or five years of that just to get out of it. So, just to get out. Um, do yeah. your research. There are some that are better than others. Um, Dave Ramsey has a recommendation that you can go to his website. And yeah, check I'd sure out. try to sell them on eBay first. I think you know there's different. You know, yeah. I mean, they don't go very well but i mean if you could just give it away on ebay and get them to assume the maintenance fee that'd be cheaper that's obviously a lot better than than an exit strategy so uh you know using one of the companies you got a pony belt and the flip side if you're thinking about buying a timeshare go to ebay and see who's selling them because you can get them for a steal yeah please don't buy it new my goodness you know in the secondary market you can pick them up for a steal for pretty much nothing just assuming the maintenance fee so yeah, don't buy a new timeshare. That's probably the biggest, you know, mistake. Yeah. Takeaway for yeah, this right. that, that maybe maybe you can get. So, uh, great question of the week, though, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is, um, 
air shipments of vaccines, John. I mean, something we've been yeah. looking forward oh, to man. now for 10 months. I was just really excited to see this. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of uh, pain and suffering out there. I mean, the there cases is. have have spiked. Uh, we have some uh, some some personal uh, friends that are, are going through some difficulties as well. So we certainly don't mean to minimize, you know, what people are going through because it's very, very difficult. And it's been a tough year all around. It really has. But uh, there's, this is really positive. The, uh, the FAA uh, said it supported the first mass air shipment of the COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, pharmaceutical companies and airlines are preparing their networks for broad distribution. Um, you know, United Airlines carried the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine from Brussels to Chicago O'Hare International Airport this last Friday. And um, man, it just got me excited because it's we've been talking about it and we hear about it and been reading about it and it's starting to go into motion now. So there's a lot of discussion uh, about what this looks like. Yeah, I mean, it, it is exciting news. And so, you know, right ahead of the approvals, the pharmaceutical companies, the airlines and other parts of the supply chain, they're kind of preparing for this distribution and they've already like you said, made some test flights and sending out, um, you know, vaccine to their destinations. I think when I went to Chicago um, here recently, and once the regulators kind of give the green light, the FDA on actually, you know, using this, then this network, which includes cold storage to preserve these these vaccines, um, is going to come into play, and they're going to start, you know, shipping this stuff. You know, very, very cold, dry kind of mm-hmm. situation with the Pfizer vaccine, at least. Moderna's is is, is not nearly, it doesn't require, right. have to be nearly as cold. Yeah. But the FDA, they haven't approved, um, at least they haven't approved the Moderna vaccine yet. I think they've actually approved the Pfizer one, um, you know, for limited use or, or for the emergency use. Yeah. And um, But they developed the vaccines with bio in tech and uh, Pfizer did. And then Moderna, um, they said their recent trials showed that both the vaccines are now over 90% effective, 95% basically for mm-hmm. Pfizer and mm-hmm. Moderna both um, at preventing the infection. So, I mean, that's, that's great news. This is, this it is. is the start of, I think, the end of this pandemic. I think you're right. You know, Pfizer submitted its application for emergency clearance back on November the 20th, and um, the FDA is expected to publicly discuss it. I think there was a news uh, wire today that uh, Britain actually approved it. Um, okay, so yeah. it's being used All out right. there um, right now over there. So I think the... Um, uh, the agency's vaccine and related uh, advisory committee are, is meeting in early December. Uh, Moderna uh, has submitted their application as well, and and some Americans could get their first dose of the vaccine in a few weeks if regulators sign off on either vaccine without delay. So there's gonna be a lot of pressure out there for them to sign off on this. I know. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, I was so shocked that they. I think for Moderna's, they said they weren't gonna you know, have the hearing or vote on it till like the 18th of December. And I thought, why are they waiting like three yeah. weeks? You know, there's going to yeah. be a lot of pressure to get yeah. that done, you know, but that's the FDA. So, but anyway, they're both going to be approved this month. I think that's clear. And then we have another one, um, AstraZeneca, I guess, mm-hmm. that has their vaccine that's going to be, they expect to be be submitting it to the FDA this month as well. So there's a lot of good news out there. Um, however, Pfizer's vaccine requires a storage temperature of minus 94 degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. Um, that's cold. <laughs> so obviously they're going to have to use dry ice, John. Mm-hmm. Dry ice, by the way. I used to be a chemical engineer, so I know a little bit about this oh, stuff, goodness, right? Oh, goodness. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, dry ice, you know, it's 
it's uh it, it's it, it's a solid you know it's solid co2 is what it's it is Fro- frozen co2 it's dry good point yeah yeah and so it's minus 109 degrees fahrenheit okay okay so it's cold enough to keep them with the pfizer vaccine um and then it sublimates into co2 so at room at room pressure you know it at 14.7 degrees psi which is atmospheric pressure basically that's enough it yeah, it it uh, it's it's, cold. it turns into CO two, so it gradually just disappears into yeah. CO two. Do have to be careful, by the way. It isn't. It is. It is dangerous Dang, if you're yeah. in a confined space, right? right? If once it gets over like ten percent CO two in a room, it would it would kill you. But Moderna's is not that. Moderna's is not that, and that's a good point because Moderna's is stable at only thirty six to forty six degrees Fahrenheit. Yep. So standard medical refrigerator. Um, in fact, that's good for 30 days. In fact, it's good for six months at minus four degrees Fahrenheit, which is a standard freezer. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's going to be some tricky stuff, some particularly logistics. With, yeah. with Pfizer's vaccine. But they've been testing this already. They have. And, um, you know, dry ice is readily available. So yeah. they're they're going to be shipping this all over the country. This is not going to be a, a major hurdle. Yeah. So the United Flight um, required special approval from federal regulators to carry more dry ice and is normally allowed. So... Uh, obviously, it's probably pretty heavy, too, I would imagine, if you have to have a, a whole bunch of it. Um, and vaccines are stored, obviously, at these below freezing temperatures. And, you know, the FAA last month created a special team to address safe, expeditious and uh, efficient transportation of the vaccine. So to your point, they've, you know, this this Operation Warp Speed hasn't gotten a lot of press, but behind the scenes, I think it's extremely impressive. I've heard some of, they had the military involved in it. <laughs> They're yeah. pretty good at logistics. So, right. so se- several of these vaccines obviously need to have the continued cold temperatures during transport. And as you mentioned, they require dry ice, uh, which is a ha- hazardous material. So the FAA has been working with manufacturers and air carriers and airport authorities to provide some guidance on implementing um, these requirements and making sure it's safe to transport this in, uh, in the air cargo. So, yeah, this is a big undertaking. It really is a big undertaking. Um, yeah, and Pfizer's vaccine initially, well, both of them, Moderna's and Pfizer's, will be very limited. Um, Pfizer had previously said that they can make 50 million doses in their two-dose regimen by the end of the year. Of course, all of that's not going to the U.S. A lot of that's going internationally as well. I think they said 20 million doses would be available here in the U.S. Um, <clears throat> by the end of the year. But that's enough to make about 25 million uh, to well, okay. If it so all went here, it's twenty-five million. If yeah, uh, of our thirty-three hundred thirty-one million people, I don't think oh, we're getting all of that. But um, yeah. anyway, the company plans to ship frozen vials of the vaccine to the vaccination points from its sites in Kalamazoo, <laughs> hmm. Michigan, uh, Pers. I've never heard Belgium, of before, yeah. and then Belgium. I guess that is in Belgium. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I've I've never never been there. Yeah, I don't know. They got four sites, apparently. Yeah, but there's other airlines that are also preparing for this. American Airlines Cargo Department last week, they started trial flights with its pharmaceutical partners from Miami to South America. They wanted to stress test the uh, thermal packaging and uh, operational handling uh, that they've created for the vaccines. And uh, one challenge ahead is that the air cargo capacity has been limited because of the pandemic. So the airlines have had to cancel so many flights. There's less um, aircrafts, you know, out there and less belly space, basically, to put the goods in. And uh, United and other airlines, however, they've begun to operate cargo-only flights 
to help up, help make up for the lost passenger revenue. So it's capitalism. This whole process has right. been capitalism. <clears throat> right. It's been amazing. And uh, it just goes to show you there's an issue. There's a company with a, a um, resource and they're going to make money on that, and they should. Um, but they are getting additional revenue that they wouldn't have had because they're stepping up. So, yeah, that's right. They sent a letter to Congress, basically telling them, you know, that that the uh, the the association, the trade group, did um, just asking them for, you know, basically uh, help, you know, in, in being able to provide um, this air travel, you know, cargo space for these vaccines. And I think you're right. I mean, it's a great story of capitalism and how you know companies step up obviously they have a profit motive but at the same time they're good at it you know Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they can adjust very quickly unlike the government and you know they've solved this problem already you know with air travel and and transporting these vaccines i will say the 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 military has always been very impressive with logistics and and they are actually involved in this and I've, i've seen some some uh, I've listened to some article or read some articles and listened to some interviews of some of the military folks that are involved in this process, and it is super impressive. I mean, there are thousands. There've been thousands of people working on the vaccine, and there are thousands of people working on the distribution now. So that's what markets are seeing. I mean, that's one of the reasons why they're going up as they see this news, and and uh, while the cases are continuing to spike, which is concerning. Um, you know, there does seem to be a light at the end of the tunnel on this with this vaccine. So we'll, right. we'll keep our fingers crossed. That's yeah, sure. it will obviously be, you know, well in the next year, probably mid-year before, you know, it's widely available and everybody that wants it, you know, uh, gets this vaccine. But uh, but it's a great start, and I think it's going to ramp up very quickly in January, February, and we're going to see, you know, we're yeah. going to see this start to taper off. So. Great news, and that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, so if you're contributing to a Roth IRA, there are income limits on that. Um, you basically have to look at your modified adjusted gross income. It's in the $200,000 range, so if you make more than that and you're contributing to a Roth, you may have to pull that back out. You you won't know that until you file your taxes, so you have up until April the 15th to do that. Right. But if you're over that limit, some people are clearly over that limit, um, you can save in a brokerage account. It's an after-tax account. Um, it's a neat option. You know, a lot of people are, are doing that that are making over the $200,000 mark. Um, you can also do Roth 401ks, um, which right. is an option if your 401k offers that. And then a third option is an after-tax in your 401k that you can then roll over to a Roth. So there are different options. Backdoor Roth. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's a great time of the year, I think, to start looking at your income, seeing if you qualify to make a Roth contribution. What do you qualify for? You ought to know by now. I mean, we're in the last month here. So figure out your income, figure out where you fall, if you can make a Roth contribution, how to get, you know, top out your plan, get the most in your retirement plan. And in the best best vehicle, yeah. you know, before end, end of the year here or certainly before tax filing time next year. So good prescription of the week. And that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can call us at Richard Young Associates, 706 739 Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from all of us at MoneyMD.
This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Dan Associates, a registered investment advisor.